welcome to Beyond the Stitch, where we talk about the human side of fashion. Today we have with us Shelby Hirschman. Shelby's a wife, mother, and registered dietitian living in St. Louis, Missouri. She's the founder and owner of Good Body Nutrition LLC. And as a clinically trained nutrition therapist, she empowers her clients to find whole person wellness, restoring a peaceful relationship with the food, body, and being. And obviously so close to our mission in terms of incorporating the whole person into this really full perspective on our lives. So yeah, how did you get into this? Like what was your journey to become a dietitian or a nutritionist? That's a fun question. I always, I always love to hear people's stories of how they got where they are. Um, man, I feel like I'm like diving right in really how I got where I am came like from my own, just my own woundedness in in these Mm -hmm. areas. And, um, definitely from a really early age, you know, for, many various reasons that I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on at different times in our conversation, but learned, um, this Mm -hmm. narrative that like I needed to prove my worth, earn Mm -hmm. my worth. And, um, pretty quickly attached that to like using my body to do so and in, in the appearance of my body. And so um, that was a big part of my story from an early age. And that kind of looked different ways throughout the years. And then when I went to college, um, had, yeah, had a, like that peak um, in how that struggle was showing up. So I, I definitely developed a an eating disorder and um, was really, yeah, wrestling with that in college. And so it's, it's kind of funny. I don't know if funny is the, the right word to use. <laughs> um, essentially, I had like a different de- like undergrad degree. Uh, it was still in health because I've always been interested in that. But um, somehow learned that like, oh, you can get a degree in nutrition and dietetics. And then I um, can just like continue obsessing over it, even in my classes and, and, you know, what better way to kind of be able to continue to center my whole life around, yeah, this obsession I had with, uh, nutrition and quote unquote health and, um, using those things to like manipulate how my body looked. And so, yeah, I like heard about it and then went home that night in my dorm room and, and looked it up and like, sure enough, there was a degree. And then it was like the next day I went and changed my major. <laughs> to no, nutrition. Awesome. Um, and yeah, so like that didn't like that, the motivation there didn't come from a really like healthy place. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got started in that specific credential of like education and nutrition, becoming a dietitian, but praise be to God, I did, you know, I eventually got to that place where I was reaching out for help and able to start interrupting some of those behavior patterns and then do that even deeper work of, okay, I'm not maybe engaging in some of these disordered patterns behaviorally. And yet I still have these really big wounds and how I understand, um, the worth of, you know, myself, body and soul. And so, uh, that was a long process for me to go through that healing, um, 
but I was going through it as I was like finishing up my credentials. So not an undergrad, an undergrad, I was still like pretty heavily immersed in, <laughs> in that struggle. Um, but then we have postgraduate work that we do. And I had really kind of started doing that work and making a lot of shifts and just experiencing a lot of healing from God. Um, and so and then at that point, it was a lot of reflecting and and kind of tension of deciding like, okay, what it like, what do I do with this now? This degree that um really like perpetuated a lot of the um, the wounds I had and the beliefs I had about myself, and I see that continuation of that perpetuation um out like through the field, through the medical field, through the nutrition field in a lot of ways. And so what do I do with that as I'm like, my eyes are really being opened. And I feel like God is calling me to this very different understanding of food and body and health. And, um, and then God just started opening a lot of doors for me. So pretty quickly after I finished my degree and took the test and got the credentials, I had the opportunity to start working for a a like higher level of care for eating disorder treatment, which was such, such a blessing because I, I just, yeah, so much education um, on that like higher level, which then has really supported me in being able to work with women all across the spectrum in their relationship with their food. And so um, eventually I got to the, to the place where I, yeah, felt I'm, yeah, just really excited about the idea of opening my own practice and being able to incorporate even more of that spiritual aspect of my life, which I wasn't always seeing, you know, in um, the other settings that I was working. And, and I see those as so integral. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for a while now through Good Body Nutrition and really striving to help women, um, as you kind of said in my bio, like really foster peace in our relationship with food, which almost always intersects in that relationship with our body too. Um, so yeah, that's the story. No, no, no. I think that kind of covers. Good yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. I have beautiful. two questions that first of all, that's awesome. Your story, like super powerful, really. I'm yeah. Very, very interested in everything you do. Um, Oh yeah, this is Lily, by the way. <laughs> I don't think we every episode. We're like, like whoever gets about me every episode. It's very hurtful. Um, so I have two questions. You said that there were things even within your like education or like within um the current state of the health industry that is actually fueling the wounds that women have. And I find that like I mean, yeah, like that's so um, it's like so deceptive, like the world like is saying one thing, love your body and all of that. But then they're still feeding things that are harmful to us. And so I just wanted to ask you a bit more about that. Like, what did you see even within the health industry that is continually or continuing to hurt to cry? I just made a word continuing to hurt uh, women. Yeah, that's a really good question. It feels like a really big question yeah. to answer, so yeah. that we could just like dig into so many layers of it. But I think, right. you know, we all know this, that there is like this really huge focus on weight in the treatment mm -hmm. of like everything. And um, so, you know, in 
in my field, in my work, we call this like the weight normative approach. And so always kind of like coming through the lens of like the size of your body and how that impacts um, may or may not impact this, uh, whatever like condition you may be coming with or um, really like maybe you're perfectly healthy. Like there's actually not any signs of um, disease or like, yeah, lack of wellness. And yet maybe your body is like in this larger size that we've kind of just categorically placed as unwell. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's this weight normative approach of really focusing on that number. Mm. And um, I think that's really harmful for a lot of reasons. I think that really um, kind of where we could get into a lot of the nitty gritty details, like I'm seeing just more and more and more and more research that shows us, um, you know, like sound evidence-based research that shows us that um, focusing on weight, trying to intentionally lose weight, like these really are not effective um, forms of treatment. They cause a lot of harm, they cause a lot of shame. And um, so there's that, like one, just this intentional weight loss, uh, like you look at the research, I mean, 95 to 98%, depending on what research you're looking at, like of diets will fail. Um, whether that is, you know, you never losing weight or maybe you do lose weight, but then within two to five years, you're going to gain it all back and usually plus some extra because your body's like, hey, that was scary. Let's fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm already kind of starting to go down this like tangent. <laughs> so, no, but I feel like this is such a good tangent because we deal yeah. with so often, I think in the fashion industry where we try to show, you know, a diverse range of different women with different bodies. I mean, we're body and soul, you know, we're trying to show this range of womanhood and people will be like, oh, you're normalizing unhealthiness by showing this. And it, it really angers me. And also not having that lived experience, like I have had the opposite experience where my parents were constantly trying to help me gain weight when I was younger. And it just like, yeah, like what, what kind of stuff can we talk about with people who come up with that um, sometimes well-intentioned argument um, to kind of like, because you're right, it's just perpetuated by shame and it's, I don't think anything that, even if it was helping, I don't think anything that's coming from shame should be yeah. used, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it is, it's really, really difficult because we all have, you know, some something I often like try to like ground myself in and remind myself <laughs> of when I'm feeling really overwhelmed by these messages I see perpetuated, even like within the church and, and mm. within the culture is reminding myself that we've all kind of grown up in this culture of, yeah, like being taught that narrative that like health is directly correlated or directly um, connected to the size of your body. Um, and so it helps me to, to remember that and, and remember that, um, yeah, like, like you mentioned, like sometimes people may be believing that they're coming from this place of like, yeah, wanting to help and protect um, and, and remembering that that's really the message we've all heard, like in every setting of our life. Um, but then really, yeah, I guess addressing that, that's really a lot of the work that I am doing within my practice with individuals is mm -hmm. um, 
how do we like uncouple and separate this belief that our health is directly connected to our weight? Um, because really, like I said, that that's not actually clearly um, shown in research. And in a lot of ways, we see that the shame that um, that comes up with, you know, these weight loss programs or kind of like the obesity epidemic and, you know, kind of all this language we're so used to hearing that that in itself, independent of actual body size is shown to cause many of the conditions that we associate with higher body weight. So like diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol, which is just astonishing, you know, to see. And, and it makes sense too, when we think of, you know, any of us, all of us, I'm sure at some point in our life have experienced shame and just like the heaviness and the darkness of that. And it makes a lot of sense that there's like a physical impact on our body and on our health when we're carrying that around. And so to me, scientifically, even it makes so much sense, sense that like when we have this chronic stress, this chronic shame of like not being good enough, not looking right, not being healthy simply because of the size of our body, that this in and of itself can cause um, a lot of complications for our health, physical health, um, but certainly our emotional health and our spiritual health and all the health. <laughs> all the health. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, sorry, Veronica, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, like, I came across this infographic recently about, like, the... Um, the different phases that you your mind goes through and like being at a, a balanced state and then being in fight or flight state and then being in freeze response and how like if you're in these emotional spaces like you're talking about where you're dealing with shame all the time and stress on, on your mind it's going into your body and your nervous system will like put all of its energy towards like survival mode which doesn't include like the normal upkeep of your body you know so that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just going to say that also when there is such a focus on a specific number associated with health and needing to meet that, it really, uh, it really causes us to become obsessed with, uh, to be obsessed with numbers, to be obsessed with repetitions of things, to be obsessed with, um, minutes that you're out running miles that you're that miles that you're running um it makes you be so become so obsessed and then it just that just perpetuates this body soul separation that i think that we see in all of this is that it's seeing your body as not yourself or that it's like an enemy to yourself mm -hmm. um when really the approach needs to be like, I love myself and I'm doing this because I love myself or I'm taking care of my health because I love myself. But as soon as you start to have that shame towards your body and that this means that I'm not good, but because my body, like whatever, because people are saying that my body is not healthy or my body is not good, that that means that I'm not good. Um, and I know like for me, when I was younger, I definitely like, I wanted to be a model when I was younger and I like went to the modeling agencies and they said that I was not, I didn't have the body for it and that I needed to lose weight. And, um, I full on went into, you know, counting calories and just being so obsessed with the amount of numbers of everything, like the repetition I did. And as I've gotten older, 
being able to take some of that power back where say I'm on the Stairmaster and instead of going to 30 minutes or whatever, which used to be like my, I had to get to 30 minutes no matter what. I'd be like, you know what? I'm stopping when I want to stop. Like when I really feel good about it and like I'm done. Um, instead, but then I have like a male friend who will is very like numbers based. Um, and he or like he's very uh if he wants to lose weight he's like counting calories very specifically and i also think that there's just a difference between men and women as well when it comes to approaching weight loss and exercise that um that is kind of off topic now that i'm talking but (laughs) (laughs) my train of thought is like but But i I think it does get back to though like the way that we're with the fashion industry and with like health culture and all of this the fact that women, it is this specific kind of cross that we carry and how it's targeted at us where it's, I don't know, to me, it, it almost seems like with my friends who are guys who are, you know, working on being healthy and all that stuff, it almost seems like this like cool logic game that they're playing and they're going to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Whereas for women, it's, I think the shame is, um, I don't want to say it's more perpetuated because I don't have that experience as a man, but I think it's very particularly pointed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like so much of, um, in our culture, like in this culture that we have been raised in and live in, we so closely tie our appearance to our worth as women. And not that like diet culture does not impact men because I believe that it does. But I think that as you guys are speaking to, there is, um, yeah, just this like deeper wound that we as women carry because, um, yeah, just all throughout culture, um, we have this narrative that, um, yeah, that our, our body is like the litmus test of Mm. our worth and, you know, how well we fit into whatever the current cultural standard of beauty is at that point, which is always changing. Um, Mm. that, that, you know, in and of itself again is yeah, where we derive that worth and value and acceptance and love and all these things that are like so good, like we're designed to have these needs met yet we know um, as Christians, as Catholics, that uh, like the culture, the world can't fulfill those for us. And and that those things are all given to us freely um, by God. And that it's not a matter of us needing to like earn that, you know, Mm -hmm. and Lily, you talked a lot about, yeah, kind of that focus on what I would describe as like external factors, like watching the numbers, counting the calories, um, et cetera, et cetera, rather than like what that does, I think, as you're explaining is that it really disconnects that embodiment of like body and soul. And, and so rather than being able to trust and rely the like magnificent wise body that God designed for us, which, you know, like naturally enables us to um, eat a variety of nutrition, you know, and, and there's kind of a whole nother tangent there of, of barriers to that because of all sorts of reason. But we do, like, I believe that we have this innate ability, um, our bodies do to 
um, try and protect our health and our wellness and through food and through movement and through these things without us needing to obsess over them, without there needing to be this like level of shame when we're not doing it. Um, yeah, the quote unquote right way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So at what point did you start bringing in your faith into this um, mission for nutrition, <laughs> which rhymes? But, hey. you know, like at what point did this really holistic approach, this body soul perspective of the human person, when did that start really impacting, you know, how you approached yeah. all this? Yeah, it's a good question. I think truly for me, like, as I started going through that recovery process, because I have, you know, my faith um, has always been a really integral aspect of my life. It's really like the way I try to see and experience the world and the people and everything around me. And so that was like a very natural thing to start happening for me as I started going through healing and seeing the ways that you know, like, this is what I'm pursuing. These are like the values I'm living out. And that is really contrary to the values and the beliefs that I have mm-hmm. given to me by God and by the church. And so like, how do I start to like reassess that and evaluate that? And, um, and so that was happening naturally for me already. And, you know, I kind of gave my story of, of starting out at the residential level. And I eventually moved down to some lower levels of care for the treatment of eating disorders. And, and this was not a, you know, a Christian Catholic, um, business. And, um, yeah, you know, often people coming from like all aspects, all demographics, all different belief systems. And, and even then, you know, even when it wasn't something that was explicitly being talked about for me, that's always kind of like the lens that I'm processing through. And so, you know, even if we don't have the same language and that same um, worldview of of Catholicism or, or Christianity, still being able to, you know, speak to that innate need of um, just undeniable worthiness uh, or like goodness, you know, like we have this inherent goodness in our bodies. Like we were made, um, God made our bodies. It says in Genesis 1, and he said that they were good. And so um, wasn't always using those exact words, um, but it was always kind of there for me. And so that was also a, a big part of my process of starting my own practice. Um, one, I do, um, I love the outpatient level of care because I get to walk alongside my clients for a lot longer um, and really develop those relationships and get to to watch their journey. Um, and, and so I really valued that. And then I also really valued that idea um, to be able to like fully integrate and name that spiritual aspect of healing and health. Um, and I was also seeing it just, uh, you know, the same wounds that I see in the culture outside of the church in regards to bodies and food and how all of that interrelates. Um, I was seeing that a lot within the church as well. And so I just started to feel this really tangible pull and calling to, um, yeah, to be able to work from that lens with women within the church. I still do work with some people who don't necessarily 
um, identify as Catholic or even Christian, but it's been, it's been a big joy to be able to like fully incorporate that into my work. Yeah. Cause I mean, the truth is the truth, no matter what. So like you're <laughs> truth about their bodies and like their goodness. And I think that people are so thirsty for that. So like here, like you are good and your body is good. And yeah. even if you don't say like, Oh, like Catholicism teaches this, but it's just like you saying like your body is good. People are so um, desperate to hear that. So um, I wanted to ask you, Shelby, what is nutrition therapy and intuitive eating? Because I saw both of those things on your website and I was like, I don't quite know what that means, especially intuitive eating. And I'm very intrigued to find out what it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a good question. They are kind of separate, but also overlapping. So like nutrition therapy just in general is, um, yeah, like really just working with individuals, providing counseling and education to help um, support them in whatever need that may be, um, like through the lens of focusing on nutrition. Um And so there's like medical nutrition therapy, which is like a protected title that only licensed dietitians, registered uh, dietitians can provide, Um, similar to like, you know, having like the credentials as a medical doctor. Uh, So that's nutrition therapy. Um, And then, but intuitive eating is really kind of like an approach used through someone who would be providing nutrition therapy or nutrition counseling. Um, and that is a, like a paradigm or approach that, um, there's actually uh, two registered dietitians who kind of like initially, um, named and outlined this concept of intuitive eating. And so, um, there are really specific, uh, parts to it. And I've got the book right here, so I can name those specific parts, even if that's something you're interested in, but kind of like the general, overarching theme of it is uh there's a lot of sirens happening (laughs) this is really dramatic guys are you ready are you ready Um, for it (laughs) yeah this the general basis is like having a relationship with food that is peaceful and intuitive and so when we say intuitive like thinking about again not needing to rely on these like rules and rigidity and counting or like diet plans with food, but rather just being able to um, lean on that, you know, those natural um, principles, or I guess really like that natural intuition to um, eat because we were made to eat. And um, really like, you know, it it doesn't have to be that complicated, but the, the messy part of that is that it has become so complicated because there's Mm -hmm. 500 million voices speaking about it that often are all like contradicting each other. Um, And so many of us, even though we're like born intuitive eaters very quickly from a very young age, we kind of start to, you know, incorporate some of those like external factors, those rigid rules that then really, again, disconnect us from that Mm -hmm. uh, pretty natural, simple ability. That's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something, Veronica? Go ahead. Oh, I'm just thinking about like how 
I've realized in the past like two, three months that I know I'm coming up on my period when I really want like salami or like meat or something. And this is just making yeah, me think of that yeah. when my body's like, I know what I need. <laughs> I'm too young. I also, yeah. How do you address that when people's intuition to eating becomes disordered? Cause I'm thinking yeah. about for me personally, um, that I know that anytime I start like dating somebody, maybe this is like actually normal. You just like get nervous and then you just like don't eat as much. And I don't I think that's normal, Lily. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference between normal and common. Um, but I know that when I start dating somebody, I'll lose so much weight because I have no appetite. I have no desire to eat. And I know that that's not normal. I know that's not normal, but like say anybody, like, cause I mean, we, if we grow up in this culture, that's like diet culture, body shaming, um, all of that, it kind of warps how we perceive ourselves, which then affects how we intuitively eat, I think. So like, how do you address things like that? Yeah. And that's like the work that I do, you know, that's like right there. Um, is that reality that for like, so, so many of us, unfortunately, probably the vast majority of us that, that I'm like relaxed, peaceful relationship with food ends up not being intuitive and straightforward. Mm -hmm. So I think, kind of like the key place that we start. Um, and this is, this is like, you know, everybody has their own story and their own process. And like, do we have like a super severe eating disorder in the picture? Do we not like all of that's going to kind of shift things? Um, it's just going to be very individual, but essentially being able to um like acknowledge and see that there are these beliefs um about our body that is really like impacting the way that we um relate with food the way that we engage with food and so like first kind of starting there and recognizing like i see that this um you know, this relationship that I have with my body is directly impacting the relationship that I have with my food. And so then that's just like a lot of work um, there. And and then we also kind of start going through um, that process of really like unpacking and re-educating and, and challenging some of these beliefs that um, and narratives that we've learned. And so through intuitive eating, you know, some of those like principles that we're looking at is like trusting your body like whenever it's cueing um you to eat like trusting your hunger and uh connecting to fullness and um getting rid of what we call like the food police that you know that like little annoying shame voice in your head that's like this is bad this isn't clean this is unhealthy this is um that again really distorts that natural ability to nourish ourselves you know balance that nourishment and pleasure um so yeah I don't know that that answered your question super well it's yeah no I I totally think it does because it's like everything comes down to a, a core wound or a core belief that you may have that you know you could be believing a lie about yourself and 
you know, it's not just as simple as being like, okay, like, let's just figure out your diet or whatever. You actually have to go way into whatever that wound is and correct that belief so that it sort of impacts everything. And I sort of talk about this when it comes to personal style and modesty and stuff. A lot of people use modesty as a band-aid for a core wound, which is a fractured sense of self-worth. And it kind of sounds like what you're saying is like, you have to have this like whole perspective of yourself in order for it to, um, to have a, to eat, have healthy diet or to have a healthy relationship with food. And, um, yeah, yeah. All that stuff is always comes down to that relationship with yourself and God and all that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask, um, Veronica, if she had any questions. Not really. I'm just like dominated in the awe of the the way that all of this interconnects and stuff like that. Because I also have like a cat fur somewhere on my face. I can't like find it. <laughs> you know when that happens where you're like, there's a phantom like something on me. And yes. Anyway, um, yeah, like wow, yeah. That's just also we yeah. forget our train of thought all the time. Yeah. Like, that happens. That ha- it happens. It's the worst when it happens to me in sessions. I'm like mid sentence, and I'm just like, uh, I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> so sorry. I'll remember it like while I'm showering tonight. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, how long have you been in practice for? I've been in practice. Oh gosh. Okay. Please don't quote me on this because off the top of my head, I think five five or six years. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, all I'm learning from this is like, I need to set up an appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Myself on blast like far too many times. I'm like, when I was younger, I restricted everything that I ate. When I did, I stopped eating. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think, gosh, I think being able to name that and acknowledge that Mm -hmm. is so important, though, you know? And it also, I think, yeah, it's just a really, a beautiful invitation for other people who are maybe still stuck in that place of feeling like this is just what you do as a woman. Um, Mm -hmm. And to kind of hear someone say, I struggled with this. And now I see that, hey, actually, that didn't leave me feeling great. Um, Yeah, I don't know, like for my own, my own journey, I know that was a huge part is actually like hearing narratives from other people um, saying like, yeah, just stuff that I'd never heard before, this idea of having a peaceful relationship with food and with my body and like that maybe obsessing over nutrition and doing everything like quote unquote perfectly actually was making me a lot less healthy (laughs) than this like pursuit of fake health that I was, you know, so desperately trying to go after. So I think thank really you for shows, sharing your story. <laughs> Sorry. I think it shows too, like so clearly your story of how like, you know, something that, that's objectively good, we can come at it from a perspective that isn't healthy, but also like the redemptive aspect of your story where you didn't have to throw away nutrition and all of that, but it became something healing for you and something that you can bring to other people and share with them. Um and like, yeah, that's just really beautiful to me. Um, and I think kind of our similar experience with fashion too, you know, where the thing that seemed to be 
perpetuating the problem can become one of the tools to heal the wounds, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I, that's some of what I feel like I witnessed and in following Litany NYC. Um, and the reason that, yeah, I'm really excited about the work that you do, because I do see, like we talked about earlier, just kind of that, um, that overlap, that shared belief of, of realizing that, uh, like the whole person matters so much. And, um, Yeah. yeah, like the way that you guys just really prioritize that, whether it be through like making sure that the people that, um, that support you and work for you are like receiving just wages and are valued or whether it's, you know, seeing like the diversity in the representation through who you're interviewing, who's modeling your clothes. Um, yeah, all of that is so, so important. And I think that representation piece especially makes me really excited because, yeah, like in the culture, that's not, um, that's not what we're used to, you know, go back to like 90s, early 2000s, and it's just a very, very narrow representation. And I think sometimes um, we even experience that in the church of like, this is what it looks like to be a feminine, holy Catholic woman. Um, And yeah, but just the reality that God in his creativity made us so diverse, including our bodies, including like our appearance, including all of like our interests and our passions and our style and all of these things that, yeah, just that, that diversity is so beautiful. And so having that represented, um, yeah, more widely, I think is, yeah, makes me excited. Mm-hmm. Us too. So much. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> such a beautiful. <laughs> that was such a beautiful. We're just gonna go sob now. It's fine. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shelby. So, where can people find you? Because I know that for me, after talking to you, I'm personally like, well, I want to um, have you. Shelby's new hyperfixation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, uh, so where can people who are listening learn more about you and sign up for a one-on-one and all of that? Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, So I do have Instagram and that is goodbody underscore nutrition. Um, I like, (laughs) I'm not super present on Instagram. I kind of have a complicated relationship with it. I actually... Um, not that I, I think that it's inherently terrible, but I'm kind of pulling back from it, but you can still see my content there. I'll still be sharing some stuff there. Um, so yeah, that's Instagram. And then I also, you know, if you wanted to reach out to me personally to ask questions, um, about anything, you know, regarded, regarding to working with me or just like a quick question about uh, different resources. You can do that at Shelby at goodbodynutrition.com. That's my email address. And then I do also have a website, um, which is goodbodynutrition.com. Lots of good body references. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. So if anybody who is like us, very inspired by this conversation, definitely check out Shelby. I think that she is an answer to a lot of problems that (laughs) a lot of us feel. Um, And yeah, I'm so excited that we got to interview you so we can 
first of all, us have this conversation with you, but then also share it with anybody who's listening who might also be struggling with all of these things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. That <laughs> makes me smile really big to have you say that. And definitely, yeah, only possible by the grace of God. Like I said, I, you know, my own story was, yeah, struggling with a lot of this stuff. So, um, yeah. And it's been really great talking with you guys. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so yes, much for coming thank on. Thank you so much. We will be in touch with you on social media and keeping up with what you're doing. And we'll be praying for your mission. Thank you. Likewise, I'm praying for you guys too. Thank you. All right. Bye, Shelby. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for joining us this week for Beyond the Stitch. Our podcast is edited and produced by Doug Cool. Thank you so much, Doug. You're the bomb diggity. Our music is by Trish Vega. You can find her on Spotify. That's T-R-I-S-H and then Vega, V-E-G-A. We're really grateful to have you here and you can follow along on all of our chaotic, fun, ridiculous things over on Instagram at litany.nyc and over at our website, www.litanynyc.com. That's L-I-T-A-N-Y-N-Y-C.com. See you next week.